on TV, online, and on Second Thought, let's do talk about the pokers. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Coming up on today's show, it's the Dublin High Roller that just got released for a little TV recap, and our special guest, Charlie Carroll. James, I've... Uh, taken all of like the stupid things I've ever said about Charlie Carroll and put them, <laughs> put them in my notes and I'm just going to try to see if I can rattle them off. How many think, you know, it's really weird. So Charlie and I have a weird relationship and that he's aware of the things I've said about him, yeah. but I can tell if he likes it or not. Like he does seem sort of irritated by it. So it should be an interesting interview. I think like most people, he tolerates you. <laughs> oh, for my parents on down, that's how it happens. School... <laughs> Scoop is still happening, so we've got a little online poker to cover. Someone we know might have won a bracelet. Poker news coming at you in a bit. I had a real Hollywood night a few nights ago, yes, uh, and I met an A-list poker fan. I'll share that story with you guys in just a few minutes. Uh, and I finally, James, first time since moving back here, had a good night doing L.A. stand-up. I will treat slash subject you to a clip, depending on how you feel I, about it. I can't wait. <laughs> in this week's super fans, Michael Zajac, his specialty subject is the San Francisco 49ers. But before we get to him and everything else in the show, what do we got on Twitter? Uh, we have an ironic tweet from Gareth Taylor who says, Well done, guys. Another great EPT Not Live. And you managed to do what Eurovision can't and get more than one Skype call working at a time. Referring to that. last week's edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. The irony being, Gareth, that literally as we went to start recording this show, Joe got as far as hello my babies the skype line dropped and a pop-up came up on my window which was how would you rate this call mark out of five i scored it one star oh that's so fucked up they even have one star it should be a zero if the call doesn't exist at all uh so yeah i missed eurovision this year right i'm actually a little upset about that it seemed like there was it was a dumpster fire I didn't see much of it. I think I tuned into what they call the halftime show, which is basically where all the all the acts have finished performing, and then they fill it with some gubbins while the votes are being made and, and yeah. counted. And um, there was a, a parody song that the hosts did, which was better than any genuine Eurovision song. It was basically oh, just man. taking the piss out of all of the Eurovision cliches in one sort of three-minute song. It was actually quite good. And as I said at the time, Swedish comedy. Huh, who knew? Um, <laughs> I didn't know. Talking of music, many people have observed that uh, that the Amazon Fire Stick commercial does utilize the same music that we employ to introduce this podcast. Christopher Bean says, please tell me I'm not the only one who shouts, hello, my babies, when the Amazon advert <laughs> comes on TV. Well, you and my mother, that would be the only two, but I appreciate it. Uh, talking music, Xavi wants to know, what is the name of the song from Social Media Beefs? Joe, this is your selection. You need to get oh, back to this guy on this one. Hold on a second. Who's, who asked someone I recognize? Who is that? Xavi. Oh, Xavi. Yeah, yeah. Well, Xavi's my boy. I'll take care. You know, I'll just tell him when I get home later. Uh, Scott Adamson says, I should have listened to old EP to Not Live podcasts in order instead of just <laughs> randomly picking episodes because I don't remember which ones I've missed. Oh, I thought he was going to say because there were like integral parts of the storyline that I feel like I missed out on. And he's just like, nah, man, I just don't want to listen to the same one again. That'd be fucking torture. Uh, talking of linear narrative and non-episodic uh, programming, uh, Martin says, I know I'm a little behind. 
on EPT Not Live, but as a fanatic TV series viewer, I agree with James when it comes to X hours ago TV episodes. The whole flashback mechanic, oh, which has yeah, now no, become wait, totally overused. You're not just with James. We both agreed on that. I want in on that same beef. Okay, Joe, you get in on that as well. It's bullshit. Why do you want to show me something? That was my, my one issue with the West Wing, James, that there's an episode of the West Wing that takes place in the future by like a year or whatever, and there's certain characters that are in the scene, and you're like, well, clearly they don't X, and it's like, it's it takes all the drama out of it. Yeah. That's why we don't show you who wins the fucking tournament and then cut back to six-handed. <laughs> Although that idea has actually been floated on more than oh, one God. occasion. Who did I just insult? No, like not, not seriously. Not seriously. We wanted okay. to do it as a joke to see how, how certain people would react. Oh, wait a second. Did you try to get someone to <laughs> actually suggest this legitimately to see if our boss's head would explode? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I the mean, person was so sure that her head would explode so quickly and so violently that he wouldn't even do it as a joke? He didn't want to face the explosion. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> By the way, so many people still, I, it, I think it's just testament to how many nerds listen to this podcast, that so many people are still asking me like where I am with Battlestar Galactica. Have I finished it? What did I think of it? What did I make of the third season? What do I think about the shift in the fourth season? I actually don't know the answer to any of those questions, so please answer them. The question is, I've still got like nine episodes to go. I took a brief hiatus. Well, I took a brief hiatus because I caught up on that uh, People versus O.J. Simpson show, which I thoroughly enjoyed, by the way. I thought it was really well done. Um... But no to, spoilers. I don't remember how it ends. Uh, <laughs> you know when you're wondering, are they going to change the ending for TV? <laughs> uh, but as far as Battlestar is concerned, um, it 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 goes in peaks and troughs. And I'm not going to lie to you. I've come to an awesome revelation, which is, I think it's one of those shows that was adversely affected by the writer's strike of like 0708. And I do think that that impacted on the final season. And I think it's abundantly clear that the showrunners didn't have a plan. They didn't have this show mapped out. And they're kind of making it up as they go along. And that, that really is tilting me. Ultimately, I've enjoyed the journey, but I'll be quite happy when I get to the destination. Yeah, I hate that. And that's why I've skipped shows like Lost, because they're like, yeah, it becomes pretty clear that even though they're all really talented writers, like they have no fucking clue where they're going with it. And that's just like a waste of time for me. Yeah, it's it's good, but I don't think it's great. That said, I still have nine episodes to go. I think the finale is supposed to be really good, though, so maybe yeah. it'll be worth it. I will report back to you when I reach the finale. Um, now, obviously, Joe, we did uh, several, a couple of weeks ago, kind of put a kibosh on the whole yeah. social media beef thing. So it's nice to see that you're approaching social media with, uh, with with more positivity. Well, it's not that. It's that I just haven't had any beefs with anyone lately. I, I, I would like to say, like, I'm like, I've turned over a new leaf or something like that. But really, it's just that I don't, <laughs> no one's really fucked with me. I have an anti-social media beef this week where Tony Tripler got in touch and he just like quoted back one of the jokes from last week's uh, TV show, which was the, you know, the Bryn Kenny, Kenny, Kenny episode. And he just quoted the first rule of Kenny Club is you only look at Kenny, uh, which is obviously my joke. And he hashtag it genius. So how could I not possibly mention that? On our little podcast, James. Last week, I offered people, I think, a prize. You did for doing their best with the film. Did I say what the prize was going to be? Uh, the equivalent of a step C ticket, which is oh. twenty seven euros. Okay, good. And did we get any submissions? Yeah, I think we got a few. Um, one of them, I believe, even got retweeted by the man himself. Oh well, that's got to give you an extra point or two. Uh, that was Pedro, who has appeared on this show as a super fan, uh, and his Phil Helmuth meme was "idiot player doesn't even know how to spell NBA." 
Okay, all right. Not, not my favorite, and it's the first one I've heard, so that's not a good sign. But what else we got? <laughs> uh, Chris Burrito, Poker Spear, who was l- one of last week's super fans. The internet kids think I'm too old, but I can dodge the Washington bullets, baby. Okay, all right. I like that one. It's a little cleverer as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Carl, when you try to read your opponent, but the only thing you see is a stone-cold poker face. Uh, I'm going to skip that one. And finally, Michael, be nice to him because he's appearing on the show later on. Oh. Hey, man, don't sweat it. Only Michael Jordan could be considered the Phil Helmuth of basketball. Yeah, I'm going to go with the, the one I sort of earmarked on the way in the second one you read. Poker Spear, was that the yeah. one I liked? Yeah. All right, Poker Spear, I'm going to send you the equivalent of a step seat ticket. Here's the rub. We have to wait until I'm back at my European residence because it's the only way I can log on and send you this stuff on PokerStars. Joe, Stars, Joe, so. Joe, yes. you may be able to access a real money PokerStars account. But Chris, as we discovered last week, being a resident of the state of Rhode Island, can't. So just to be clear, last week we shipped him some extra Chop Pot merchandise to compensate him for the fact that he couldn't win a Stepsy ticket in Superfan vs. Stapes. So you're going to have to send him prizes of equivalent cash value. Okay, something like that. You know, we'll work it out, Poker Spear. You seem to be a nice boy. We'll we'll, we'll figure something out, buddy boy. Uh, So tell me about this... um, Hollywood night out. What constitutes so, a Hollywood night out, Joe? Well, I, you know, I don't know if you know this or not. Well, I know you know this. I don't know if the audience knows it or not because I can't remember what I've told people. Or not, but my friend Lauren um, is a big time movie producer now, and she just produced this movie called uh, Swiss Army Man. That was at Sundance. Is this the and, one with Daniel Radcliffe and the farting body? And yeah, exactly. And so it's getting. It's uh, to use a poker term. It's quite polarizing. Um, it's either getting like like brilliant standing ovations or people are walking out. And so, um, the uh, the band that did the the soundtrack for the movie is this is two of the members of the band Manchester Orchestra. And as a res- they did uh, these uh, like an acoustic night where the two of them played solo and then played together. And because the band did the soundtrack for the movie and my friend produced it, she got like these special via VIP tickets to the show and I got to go to it. It was great because I haven't been like in like the Hollywood VIP sort of situation at all for like five years. So it's like it was cool to like be back and like just kind of, you know, just have like a special thing to go to because I always geek out over these things. I'm not like a particularly huge fan of that band, although I do like them, but I'm just like, yeah, man, like sounds like a great experience. And so I met the directors of the movie and I made – what apparently is a big faux pas. Now, the directors, James, won Best Director at Sundance for Swiss Army Man. Wow. So that's pretty fucking cool, right, if you're a film fan. Like, I'm about to win, meet the two guys that just won Best Director at Sundance this year. Now, both of their names are Daniel. Both of their names is Daniel. What the fuck? How am I doing this wrong? Both They're both of their called names, Daniel. They're both called Daniel. That's a good way of putting it. You're, you know what's weird is that when you can't be pedantic, you still figure out a way around it. Nice job. <laughs> So yeah, they're both called Daniel, but they go collectively as Daniels. So it's like this movie directed by Daniels. Winner of the Sundance Best Director Award, Daniels, is uh, like the okay. name of their unity. And the thing is, what they aren't, James, is, is it, they is, aren't... Is it just me or is that mildly pretentious? It is, except I met the dudes and they're just geeks. They're okay, just like giant fine. dorks. And so, but the problem is... What's, the, what name of that, what's the name of that director, though, who does the film films where he puts his name in the title? Lee Daniels? Does it not get confusing if you talk about a film from Daniels? That's right. It's, it's Lee the da- Okay, so the mistake I made is I, I accidentally called them the Daniels. 
and that's not what they are. They're not the Daniels. They're they're just Daniels. Oh, it's so, a bit like when the independent newspaper dropped the the a few years back, and it just became independent. Yeah, and so like my producer friend was like, <laughs> she had to like like do one of those like and look and obviously they didn't really care but you know what it is like when you introduce your friend like yeah, if I, yeah. when I introduce someone to like the Daniel Negreanu like and someone like acts like an idiot I'm like <laughs> so um, I kind of messed up a little bit there and the best part about it was that I had seen the movie so I've seen Swiss Army Man and I was like hey guys saw the movie really liked it and they did the thing where they sort of quizzed me on the movie <laughs> and he was now, like now here's, here's, it's, on, it's, it's honesty time Joe did you genuinely like the movie or were you just saying I, that because you were talking to the guys who made it? Okay, so the God's honest truth is that I saw that movie and I, I didn't care for it. However, however, there are parts of it that I loved. And also, when I don't care for it, I'm like, I, I, James, I'm not the kind of person that really likes like artsy movies. Like, I don't. Like, that only God forgives. Like, the movies that have been super artsy, we've seen together. I'm like, I think I get, like, they're kind of beautiful, but it's just not my thing. It's yeah. just not my tea. Like, Tell me a this- fucking story! Exactly. I just want to go see The Princess Bride. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's my ideal type of movie. And so, or, or maybe a little more manly, whatever. Die Hard. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, it's not that I'm incapable of thinking that deep. I just don't like it that much. Fair enough. And so, this movie is one of those movies that is either incredibly deep or not. And I, I think I, I do think it is that deep. But because of that depth, it, it's just like, you know, it's just not my thing. However, so I was like, yeah, the movie's great. And I do believe that to a certain extent right it's not my favorite but i do think there are great things about it and so but the guy turns to me he's like so like what did you like about it (laughs) he's like what did you take away from it and i was like oh my god oh my god what is the right answer here and so i was just like well i think it's just you know i and this was true actually so this worked out because i just told the truth i was like what i really liked about it is that on one hand it's like pretty deep but on the other hand it's like ridiculously stupid it's like really stupid and silly and he was like he like grabbed me by the shoulders and he was like yes yes he was like i'm so and so i was like oh thank god (laughs) thank god so but while i was while i was at this uh this show in hollywood a, a couple of my girlfriends were down the road and they were seeing a show at the comedy store and at the comedy store on a friday night you can see like they saw a show for like 20 bucks and it was like Bill Burr, Anthony Jeselnik, like just like huge names in comedy all doing 15 minutes a piece. And Sam, my best friend, texted me. He's like, what's up with this show that Heidi and Emily are singing? And he printed and he, he sent me an Instagram of the set list. And at the bottom, it said 1201, like the last show was at 12. And then at 1201, it said Joe Stapleton. <laughs> And even though, like, I knew it was fake, like, I still, for a second, like, started Aww. thinking, how am I going to get down there? Like, how could this have happened? Like, maybe someone just called, like, somebody just put my name. And so I, like, that lit, like, that little or not so little piece of ego that I have um, sort of kicked in. And I was like, well, this is, like, a chance. There's, like, a chance this is real. And then I, when I realized that the last guy's set would have been exactly one minute long because the last guy <laughs> on it. 12 and Sam put me as going out at 1201. I was like, ah, okay. Probably not real. Probably not real. Um, so I, whatever. I went and met up with those girls. And then one of my friends is, uh, both of my friends, uh, who I went out with her, like just very attractive girls. So they dragged me to this club, James. You would hate it. It's this club where the line was like a hundred deep, but because they know the promoter, we got to go in first and they only let people in about 10 at a time. Joe, why didn't you go straight to the front of the line and say you were Steve the DJ? 
I'm with uh, I'm with Steve. I'm with Steve the DJ, and that's actually kind of what happened. They were like, I'm with uh, I'm with Chris, and so they brought us in. They only bring ten people in at a time, and what they do is you walk up the stairs into this house until you're in like an old timey bedroom, and there's a girl dressed in lingerie laying on a bed, and she kind of does like a dance, like almost like a, like a burlesque dance, while everyone gathers into the room, and then she sort of like goes over some of the rules of the bar. But when she's like, "Is everyone have a good time?" and she jumps on the bed, and then the bed on some sort of mechanism arm slides away and there's a hidden staircase under the bed and then everyone goes downstairs into the bar. Now, on the one hand, I really appreciate the theatrics of this. I, right? see, no, no, see, when you mentioned the, the 100 deep line, I'm, I'm with you. I wouldn't like this, but all of this kind of gubbins, I'm into. This is fun. It's pretty cool and it's fun, but the problem is you have to be such an asshole to get in there that it's not worth it. No, I probably uh, qualify. <laughs> Maybe you would actually. It'd be so funny if we both walked up and they were like, "Right this way, Mister Hardigan." <laughs> <laughs> but I know girls, so so we get down to the bar, and so my friend introduces us to the guy who got us in, and his name is Chris Paul. And then a few moments later, up walks a guy named Aaron Paul to introduce himself to Chris Paul, and my friend Heidi, who I went with, is like obsessed with Aaron Paul, like just absolutely obsessed with him. And so I was like, I'm really going to impress my friend right now. I'm just going to go up to him and talk to him. Now, back in November, did we talk about the Aaron Paul shoot in Madrid? I don't think we ever discussed it on the podcast. Yeah, we didn't because I found myself going, wait, did he do one of our shows? Do we have that in common too? Yeah, he did do something with us actually, which we filmed back in Madrid of November of last year. It's, It's currently in production and people will be able to get to see it very, very soon. Absolutely lovely guy and a huge, huge poker nerd. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. So I, I just went up to her and I said, hey, man, are you playing in the GPL in a few weeks? And it looks like at this point I'm probably going to end up doing the commentary for that match. I specifically wanted to be there for that. And so uh, he was like, oh, yeah, I am. And I was like, oh, hey, my name's Joe. I'm going to be doing commentary for that. And he just went off about how much he loves poker and how he's just so excited to do it. And um I kind of wanted, I was like, wanted to ask him, like, do you know who I am without asking it? And so I was like, hey, man, like, I, yeah, no, if you watch a lot of poker, like, I used to do this show called The Big Game a while ago. And he went like, oh, yeah, 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 but I don't know if that's his way of, like, if he just did that sort of, like, really charismatic star thing where he, like, convinced me that he had seen the show or that he actually had. But I will say it was convincing. So I think maybe he is aware of us if he likes poker that much. I'm pretty sure from the conversations we had back in November of last year that he has watched a lot of poker on TV. And certainly he's a huge fan of all the pros. Obviously, he was hanging out with Vanessa Selbst and Fatima DeMelo and was having an absolute blast. Yeah, well, and so uh, I just and I did what I wish uh, that I, I like. I think that most people who are in that situation kind of hope for when they interact with strangers. And I was like, "Hey, man, that's awesome. I don't want to take up all your time. I'll see you in a few weeks. Have a good night." And my friend Heidi basically was just begging me all night to like let me like just breathe my breath that had hit Aaron Paul. Well, while you were having showbiz nights in LA, I was doing mundane shit like driving to Brighton for the weekend. Now, Joe, when you lived in England... Brighton is the Hollywood of England. I mean, come on. No, it's not. Uh, (laughs) No, when you lived in England, I guess when you traveled around, you didn't really drive anywhere, right? You never actually traveled by car. I never one time... I traveled by car sometimes, but I never one time drove a car. Because the thing is, driving at the weekend is such a ball ache. And there's this kind of cliche about sunday drivers all these people who never ever get behind the wheel any day of the week other than sunday and just clog up the roads the thing is and i don't want to sound here like i don't appreciate the artistry 
of old cars, but there's a place for them. And to paraphrase Indiana Jones, they belong in a museum. <laughs> Why? I mean, were every they weekend there seems to be some London to Brighton run, whether it's bicycles or whether it's some brand of car. And this weekend, Quidditch. just gone, it was minis. It was the London to Brighton mini thing where anyone who owns a mini and some of these cars <laughs> date back to like the 19 fucking 50s were allowed to be on the roads seriously you couldn't drive more than a mile without seeing at least two broken down on the hard shoulder on two lane roads you the the the, the out the in, inside lane was just clogged up with these damn things pumping out all manner of shit traveling at like 30 miles an hour <laughs> with everyone else having to zoom out and overtake them these cars do not belong on the road. Technology <laughs> dates. Technology gets surpassed. You wouldn't be using a computer from 1975. You're not still using a Nokia phone from 1989. So why are you still driving a piece of machinery that doesn't belong on the road? James, you know for a fact that sometimes on the week, you know, sometimes on like a slow week in the summertime, I like to take my horse to work. <laughs> It's just fun to go retro sometimes. You know, occasionally I'll just pop on an 8-track. As someone who lives in Los Angeles and knows how clogged the freeways can be, I'm not saying that the M23 slash A23 in the UK are always clear, especially on the weekend, but they're not helped when they're full of ancient minis. Was there a paper jam on the A4? I know you hate that oh, joke. Sorry. I'm God. actually even sorry I did that to you. That was not even my, I mean, I just don't. I, I apologize. Just cut Thank that you. out of the show. Don't don't even include that. Oh, man. So what's up with this VO in June? Like, I was told I was clear for June, and now they're like, oh, we need you to do a VO. What's what's happening? Uh, the plan is, we look, we discovered, and we think we've spoke, spoken about this a few times, that the heads-up battle at the conclusion of Shark Cage Season 2, and there's a spoiler here for anyone who hasn't watched Season 2, because I'm going to tell you who the final two players were. It's Daniel Negreanu versus Phil Ivey, and we reached the realisation that this is literally the first and only time that these guys have ever played heads-up in any type of tournament. And we realised that, okay, it filled two parts of a TV show, but there are so many hands that didn't make the cut and it would be quite nice as a kind of summer bonus when we haven't got any new TV shows going out to give people an extended Ivy versus Negranu heads up video to watch. All so, right, I'll do it. But here's my suggestion. Why don't y'all come out to Vegas like the good old days? Remember we used to do a little, Ju little June VO in Vegas sometimes, huh? Yeah, but that's... Joe, that was when we were doing like six or seven TV shows back to back. I'm not really sure we can justify <laughs> traveling all the way to Las Vegas to record what's likely to be a 30 to 40 minute video for online release only. This is Negrano versus Ivy. Okay, James, <laughs> just let me remind you of that. Well, I tell you what, if you can convince our production manager to part ways with money that she doesn't have, then I'm all I'm all in. Uh, I feel like some of that money is going to come come from my travel expenses if I do that. So maybe, I'll, I'll, all right, I'll see what I can do. I mean, what's the harm in asking? I'll ask her. What do you think it actually costs? It would be just you and Francine coming, right? Dude, it's going to cost thousands. Because oh, you got to pay for the studio too, though, right? Yeah, exactly. We have our That's own the... facility here in London. 
that's the kicker right there. That's the that's the pocket. That's the you know the pair of whatever. You know, I don't want to make a poker metaphor. Forget that. I was going to do a reading from the Book of Joe before before we move on from this. But the thing is, I feel like we've had enough anecdotes here, and we may or may not need some shit for next week. So I'm just going to skip the reading of the Book of Joe. And let's just it. yeah, let's just park it and take it right on to poker news. Which means I have to sing. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for EPT Not Live News. I'll tell you what's going on in poker today, James. Did you see this Scooby-Doo fucking mystery tweeted by Kara Scott? I saw it, and it was brought <laughs> to my attention by the eagle-eyed Kevmath, the overlord of social media in the poker genre, um, that he suspects that one of our characters, shall we say, from the European poker tour may be yeah. behind this. Wait, he thinks that special agent Frank Calfon stole the bridge journal of Madame Calfon? Well, maybe... Mrs. Calfon's bridge journal is a euphemism, and actually, it's a secret code book. Right, but okay, that I can and get special agent Frank Calfon needed the code book to complete his assignment in Bergen in Norway, which we can't talk about, and that's why he needed to take <laughs> it from his wife. I mean, this is such a well thought out plan. I would have thought that the secret code book was stolen by a villain. From Madame Calfon, who is holding it for Special Agent Frank Calfon, well, much like the that hot blonde doctor from uh, Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Well, that means he's going to have to abandon the mission in Norway and pursue the Bridge Journal. I know that Bergen is just a very it's like a race situation. What's more important, Bergen versus the entire world, but the entire world has the slight advantage. But thank you to Kara Scott for tweeting the sign that Mrs. Calfon's bridge journal is missing. And yes, by I, the way, I can't help but think that this is not connected. There's no way. There's no way, by the way, that she has any clue that, about our Calfon character. That was just like a happy coincidence. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Uh, so Scoop is over. Scoop has officially concluded. I think it finished in the uh, uh, late hours of last night. Uh, middle of the day, I guess, for you, Joe. Um, and uh, But there have been some big name winners over the course of this series. Yeah, so let me see if I get this right. Jason Mercier won uh, a scoop bracelet. Yes, he did. Uh, who else am I missing before today? Uh, Neil Farrell, I believe, oh, won a nice. scoop. I didn't know that. That's great. Uh, the big winner, the, the main event, the 10K main event, was uh, Talal Shikurchi. Raid a lot. Oh, fuck. That's amazing. Yo, because I knew that Scott Seaver and Talal made the final table. And yeah. then I was reading something. He was on like some crazy run where he had like 60% of the yeah. chips in play, five-handed or something like that. And uh, so he just he just closed it out, huh? He closed it out for near enough $1.5 million like he needs the money. Talal Shikurchi is the Scoop main event champion. I love that. Good for poker or bad for poker? Um, Good for poker. <laughs> you mentioned Jason Mercia there, Joe. Now, here is a guy yeah. who's had his very own social media beef yeah, fire up the music fire up the social media beef music for jason mercier this is awesome yeah now this is related to um uh, a conversation that i believe doug polk had on his twitch stream where he basically implied that jason mercier is an overrated player and that he doesn't actually think jason is that good I, I will get to my analysis of the situation after we present all of the evidence. So basically, uh, this started with Mustafa Kanik calling out Doug Polk on Twitter and basically offering to crossbook with him and saying that you don't mess with Familia because Mustafa and Jason are very good friends. To which Doug Polk responds, I will be playing the role of Doug Polk. Mr. Stapleton will be playing the role of Jason Mercier. Hey, come on. 
I didn't say I hate everyone or my shit is gold. Jason just isn't very good. How starved are you for attention? Are you hurt that we stopped talking on AIM back in 2008? You're the talentless one. Hashtag, I'm natural, bro. Lol, Jason. You attacked me on Twitter, then backed it up by saying, let's play 3H plus mixed games. Simply a pathetic attack. It was a counter to your heads up 8 game offer. I attacked you after your either troll or constant bashing of me on Twitch. What are you talking about, constant bashing? I have a labeling system on most regs. I said very little or nothing about you. I don't watch your Twitch program, just been told things. It's all good, man. You're getting publicity, which is your goal. I think you are a nice guy. I just think you ran massively over EV in your career and don't have respect for your poker game. No worries, mate. If you understood more than two cards and running Sims all day, you wouldn't have such a silly opinion of me. I don't run Sims, by the way, and I do play most of those other games. I just am not a fan of the 3H plus game types. Because those games aren't as easy to solve or find the perfect play. You need talent to be able to beat every type of game. Hashtag natural. Sorry, that one was bigger font for some reason, so I yelled it. Uh, yeah, so in summary, the conversation kind of ends there. It kind of peters out. But not before Daniel Negranu, Dnegs himself, feels the need to wade in on this one and basically tags in Alex Dreyfus as well, pointing out that I don't know if there is a Tool of the Year award at the American Poker Awards, but Doug Polk is an early frontrunner and basically implies that Doug is just trying to get publicity and this is not the way to do it. I mean, I I, I would believe that except for, and maybe like I didn't see the actual footage on Doug's Twitch stream, but I do have previous with this, James. Remember when Martin Jakobsen tweeted like, hey, like that thing that was like super complimentary about us? Yes, I remember. He didn't tag us in the tweet and so I don't think he was trying to really do anything to, to start any controversy. What happened with Doug was Doug happened to be opening, from what I understand, is he happened to be like opening a note on Jason Mercier and it just said that he didn't think he was very good. And I don't know that it was meant to kick off like this, but then again, look, if Doug Polk's like a super smart dude, I didn't even consider this till right now in the middle of this sentence, but if he's like a super smart dude and this was all planned, then I guess that's pretty, pretty weird, pretty, I don't know, it's hard to... If it was like innocently like he exposed a note on Jason where he doesn't think Jason's that bad and then all this kicked off like I really don't think it's that big of a deal like he didn't intend to insult Jason but I guess like we can't really know that it was just great to watch from the side oh my god that's the part let's just focus on that let's just focus on how amazing it was after it happened and, and not focus on why it happened and I should point out that in between that conversation that we just reenacted you can imagine the number of people who just tweeted animated gifs or gifs or whatever the fuck they're called of people eating popcorn um, if we're going <laughs> to talk about controversy on social media a few people have brought oh, to gosh. our attention Joe that the winner of the EPT table contest in monaco after receiving his prize promptly put it up for sale on ebay i mean bro the the body's not even cold yet like just give it a minute like has it even been delivered to his house yet yeah because he's taken pictures of it in in all of its wrapping and pictures of the technology that comes with it you know he won it fair and square he can do with it what he wants 
What I think is hilarious is that he genuinely thinks that someone's going to pay £5,000 as a buy-it-now price, or they might bid £3,000 in an auction for a poker table. Yeah, I don't know. The whole thing just kind of is like, it's just kind of t- police a bad taste in your mouth a little bit. Look, whatever. It's perfectly within his right to do it, you know what I mean? But you kind of wish he didn't. You kind of wish he wasn't selling it, that he was just going to enjoy course. it. And I can understand why people who entered the contest and didn't win feel a little bit bitter. Uh, just before we move on, because we've got the TV recap to get to, and our guest, Charlie Carroll, one email that popped into my inbox from PokerStars that actually got my attention <laughs> uh, was a press release announcing the winner of the Eureka 6 Bucharest main event, a very popular event down in Romania. Daniel Negranu in attendance, the first time the Eureka Poker Tour had been to Romania. This was an event run by an Israeli poker pro called Avi Shitrit. <laughs> oh, man, Avi Shitrit. I mean, we're just going to bury this name, right? <laughs> Who finished second? Samuel Poopy Bottom? Third <laughs> it was place, actually, Ironically, it was another Israeli player, uh, Moshi Eliu was the runner-up. Um, but apparently, Shitrit is the third Israeli player to snag a Eureka trophy. Who is who is the runner-up? Mashi El number two? <laughs> Eliyahu. Ebenezer Dunghole, Thomas Crap. What about Angela having a shit? Did they place it all? Did they rank? I mean, do you remember when the dude who was running poker, poker party poker was Anorak Dick Shit or whatever that dude's name was? I mean, <laughs> that was his name, yes. At what fucking age are we going to get over this? But I'm sorry, a vichy shit rat. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't even realize his name is a vichy shit. I guess vichy isn't really a word. Oh, God, I wish, vicious, I, was, I wish I was more mature, but I just can't help laughing at this. A vicious shit rat. Just all over. It's just a, he just is a vicious shit. I'm sorry, Abby. I'm sorry. You've probably heard it all before. Don't worry. I'm going to make fun of Charlie Carroll for his clothes in a second, too. <laughs> yeah, let's get to our TV recap. TV recap. So yeah, so this is the last episode of the first wave, the first cycle of 2016 TV shows. It was the final table of the EPT12 Dublin High Roller, an event that was held on Valentine's Day, actually, mid-February, and has already been on TV on Channel 4 in the UK, now available to watch online at pokestars.tv everywhere else in the world. The biggest buy-in event ever held in Ireland, as we so eloquently introduced it in Vision at the start of the programme, Joseph. Uh, as we, when you say we, do you mean me, or was that you? Well, it was both of us. We were both on screen. <laughs> um, I'm glad that you mentioned it was Valentine's Day, because this is something you won't get from the TV show, but George Danzer came in that day to do guest commentary, and it was amazing. amazing when he realised on his guest commentary that he had forgotten Valentine's Day, and he was like, oh, shit. Um... Uh, if you're that big a super fan and you want to go back and listen to it, it's kind of worth it. I believe but, there's a pause. It's the revelation that, yeah, George, today is Valentine's Day, and there's a pause. He says, oh, fuck. That's what it is. Yeah, he says it's, something, it's, pretty, it's pretty fucking hilarious. Anyway, yes, biggest Biden ever tournament held in Ireland, which actually was kind of surprising to me because it was only a 25K. Yeah, I mean, that's still a big buy-in. I just, you know, Ireland, they like their poker. They got that Irish Open every year and all that stuff. I would I just was surprising that it would have taken this long to have a 25K there. What surprised me was how big the field was in this. In fact, the turnout in Dublin overall, when we said this when we did our Dublin recap, was pretty impressive. 
you know, you'd had the PCA, you'd had the Aussie Millions, everyone's a little bit burnt out, we're into February, and yet a lot of heroes still made the trip to Ireland to play in this festival, and there was a decent field in this event, I think it surpassed expectations, and a pretty talented lineup at the final table. Yeah, I think it was a little something, too, about um, Dublin being you know, basically brand new on the European poker tour. I think that helped out a lot. I think you say brand are- new. What you mean is there'd been a, quite a long gap between the last EPT Dublin and this one. I think it was eight years pretty much that, since we've been there. For sure, but for a lot of players, that's going to be the first time ever for them. Yeah. So I think that and just seeing some place new, and especially Dublin's like a super not intimidating place. You know, everyone speaks English there. It's 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 similar to England in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like it's just uh, it's it's not a it's not a stretch for people, but it's also something new at the same time. So I think that that made it pretty appealing. Uh, there was that guy at the high roller final table, like Keith Johnson. <laughs> Johnson. Uh, he kind of was like the extra, you know what I mean? Like the nobody, but he's not a nobody, no, right? I, like I, got, at no point was he a nobody. I mean, the silver pigeon. He was to, he was to me. Okay, well, but, he's, he's, a, I mean, he's a pretty well-known player on the UK circuit. But I realized that was wrong is what I want to say. Sure. I mean, when you say he's an extra, the problem is, obviously, there's only so many hands you can show in a 48-minute highlight show, and Keith went out pretty early doors, so you don't really get to see much of him. You don't really get to know him. And you could probably say the same thing about Jeff Ruster. The difference there is that Jeff has played more of the high roller events. We knew him already. Um, But yeah, the the real stories there were the final three. They're probably the three players who are best known to us. They're the three who went deepest, and they're the three who probably played the most interesting hands. Those players being Mustafa Kanet, Charlie Carroll, um, and Chance Cornuth. Yeah, see, in the whole chance thing, James, you got to remind me, I'm so confused. Because we see these shows multiple times, right? We see it when we do it live. We see it the night, you know, generally the day or the night before we do the TV version, then we see it again when we do the, you know, actually record the TV version, and then maybe again now, right? If we like rewatch it now, and so it's become impossible for me to tell how many times Chance Cornuth has been at a final table recently. It feels like a million. Well, it's actually not that many as far as our events are concerned. He final tabled the PCA in 2015. That's more than a year ago. And he final tabled this. His other final tables have been at other festivals or in other tours. This just happened to be, I believe, his third 25K final table in a row. His third 25K final table of 2016. And would potentially have been his second consecutive win. But obviously he was denied that win, finishing second to Mustafa. Yeah, so Mustafa finished first, obviously, kind of uh, to be expected. I mean, and but I can't remember. Is it to be expected? Was this the first thing he won, or just like the like no. in the middle of a bunch of things he's won? Uh, the first time he came to our attention uh, on the live circuit was when he won the fifty k one day one day super high roller, and that was at last season's EPT Grand Finals, the season eleven Grand Final. He then won the ten k uh, in Barcelona at the start of season twelve. Then the 25K um, in Dublin. And of course, we know that he's going to be at the final table of the 100K event, which will be part of the second cycle, the second wave of TV shows that will air in the final quarter of 2016. That's so cute that you said he was going to be at the final table instead of spoiling it. Don't worry. 
I won't do it. There might be a few people who, you know, didn't watch the live stream, didn't hear us talk about it on air, and, and don't know the result. So I figured... Like I said, it was cute, but not as cute as Charlie Carroll. And, you know, James, when I watched this show back, I realized, like, he's very active in the show. He's, like, the opposite. He's in, like, almost every hand, at least, you know, until he goes out. Yeah, I mean, I think there are three hands that are really worth talking about. I, they're, they're, obviously, there's more than three hands worth talking about, but the three big hands, the three marquee The three hands, we must talk yeah, about. Yeah, and two of them we'll talk about with Charlie when he joins us in just a moment. The other one he wasn't involved in and that's the hand between one of the qualifiers at the table. Both Keith Johnson and Anton Bertelson won their seats in a live satellite. I think they qualified for 3,000 euros. Obviously that's a big satellite but then it's a big buy-in event. And Bertelson was involved in a hand against Canet where Bertelson had queens and Mustafa had queen nine of diamonds. Yep. And after some kind of pre-flop leveling Mustafa then continues floating out of position with queen nine and bluffs Bertelson off the best hand on the river. And this is a hand which we talked about extensively at the time when we streamed the final table. It's one of those hands that was then released online, both on YouTube and on Facebook. So most people had seen before the TV show aired, but just shows you the stones on this Canuck kid and how good his reads are. Uh, not only how good his reads are, but also the fact that he, like if I didn't have whole cards, which I think I've, I mean, I would have had them at the final table or whatever, but like if I didn't, I would probably make the wrong read myself. I feel like when people talk a lot, I, even me, even though I don't play poker, tend to make pretty good reads. The fact that he can play the way he does and he has the same amount of chatter while they're tanking, whether he's bluffing or whether he's got it. I mean, if there's a difference between the amount, I haven't noticed it. And that's pretty impressive that he can seem super comfortable no matter which way he's going. So, of course, the other two hands do involve our guests. Let's bring him on the show. Let's say hello to the third-place finisher in the EPT12 Dublin High Roller, Mr. Charles Carroll. Hey, it's good to be on. Hi, Charlie Carroll. Thanks for doing this, even though I make fun of you a lot on TV. <laughs> hey, Joe Saberton. Don't worry. I know you make fun of everyone. Okay. Wow, that's really good. That was I, He took the words right out of my mouth. That's like my next line of defense. Is I, t I make fun of everyone. No, no, it's good. I, I think it's... You can kind of like guess who's going to be able to make fun of themselves as well. And I'd like to think I come across the kind of person that can. I so. didn't know either way, but I'm glad that you are, man, because <laughs> that makes this interview a lot less awkward. Hey, man, did you go, did you go deep in the scoop main? Yeah, I went deep in the scoop main. Um, well, tell us more. Oh, uh, yeah, please. I can't wait to reminisce about this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could tell. I could tell from the tone of voice, Joe, that this was not something that he necessarily wants to relive. But no, you insisted. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I, look, I'm doing a good interview here. <laughs> it's the kind of thing that you have to sound kind of happy about because if somebody hears you complaining about making getting a 40k score, you come across as the guy that nobody really wants to speak to ever again. But what could the score have been? 1.5 million or something. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, that was the noises that were made for the next three hours after we bust. I, I mean, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, no, it, it's it's cool. We weren't we weren't actually too annoyed. Did you also um, get into like? Did you have a bit of a social media beef or just a regular beef with this dude Tonka who called you a punter on his street? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there have been. There, I've actually had my fair share of um, social media beef. Tonka was one of them. Um, where Tom, Tonka, I, 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 don't, I don't even, I have nothing bad to say about Tonka. I just feel like, um, he doesn't think too much about what he says, given how many people listen to what he says. Sounds like a natural born performer to me. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's the kind of person that's made to be on Twitch. <laughs> so like, like he's um, he's just an entertaining, fun person. I've I've got nothing to say about him, but it was a situation where he kind of said something just offhand about a play that I made. It's like, oh, this guy's a punter. Oh, that play, I don't know what he's trying to do. It's an awful play, and I really, really likes that. Do you think that? Do you think he was mistaken? Like he just didn't know who you were when he called you a punter? No, no, no. He he definitely knew who I was, and. Fair enough, I am a bit, like... <laughs> I do punt pretty often. Yeah, I mean, like, I've been known to dabble <laughs> in the punting side, but um, <laughs> but I, I just feel like it, the way that he spoke about it, and it kind of just like, oh, I don't know what he's trying to achieve with this three bet. Oh, it's a three bet. Yeah, and it, it was just such a standard thing that I was like, I'm pretty sure I need to defend myself about this, but... Um, yeah, no, it, it was it was all fun. No, I was, did you I was write fun. in the chat like what I was trying to accomplish with that three bet was winning the hand? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that probably would have been a better response instead of my whole Facebook rant. But yeah, solid no. logic, uh, Charlie. Obviously, we're breaking down the EPT twelve Dublin high roller final table, which uh, aired on TV in the UK last night, and everyone else can now watch at PokerStars TV. Uh, we've already talk- talked about one of the big hands at that final table, which was Canet's hand against Bertelson, the Queen Nine against Queens. We mentioned that you were involved in the other two hands you want to talk about, so let's talk to you about them. The first was that great fold you made with Kings, and, the, and that was the, awesome, man. And the read you had on Canet. Sir, I, I was sorry. I was stepping on James because I actually loved that fold so much. And the thing is, like, I've seen tons and tons of poker, and I'm way more impressed by good folds than I am by good calls. Because like people make good calls and they're like wrong a lot, and then it's like whatever. But like, great. I seriously love great folds. So that was awesome. Thank um, you. you said you had a live read. Can you tell us anything about that? Oh, <laughs> I don't remember saying that. I kind of regret saying it. Um. No, not really. You're like, you're like Stapes, I told you that in confidence. and now <laughs> No, you made the mistake of saying it on camera, Charlie. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I, I seem to remember coming out and I told, I, I think Ben was there and he was like, you mentioned live reads. like, oh, fuck. Oh, oh that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, I, it, please, I really don't want you to answer if you don't want to, but my next question is, and maybe you're okay with answering it, is is the live read you saw something that is unique only to him, or is it something that many players do when they are feeling a certain way? Um, it is something that is not quite universal, but probably the majority of players that even play the high-stakes players but I would say that it's not just black and white. It's more nuanced per person. That's perfect. So, and that's, and that's great. Cause then if someone, even people, you know, someone even thinks they figured out, they won't understand the nuance to it that you do. So you've still got like proprietary ownership of that. But the interesting thing, Charlie, is that there was a hand later on, a not dissimilar situation where can it value bets the river? Cause he's paired his Jack and you heroed with ace high. Now, again, <laughs> I'm not a professional poker player, but from my layman's point of view, can it's behavior during that hand, um, didn't seem any different to his behavior during the hand where he had the straight with the 10, eight, he seemed equally comfortable. Although on this occasion you figured, I don't think he has it. And you called. Yeah. Um, so I guess there are a lot, of factors that go into uh, the river decisions. I, w- I wouldn't just make a decision based on live reads unless I'm absolutely certain. And the problem is that somebody like Mustafa Khanet, who is just a genius in his own right, 
he's going to be if he is giving off ludicrous live tells he's going to be reversing them he's going to be thinking that i'm thinking that he's thinking kind of thing so you can only put a certain weighting on those kind of things and then have to also evaluate the situation and other things like icm whatever Dude, and you think james and you think the fact that i like to flip a coin is out of, out of control i mean come on listen to this guy he's like sometimes it matters sometimes it doesn't i mean that's <laughs> these guys are all so such sickos that yeah. even if you have a lied read you can you can believe it like one time basically you can be like okay <laughs> it's like the borg they just like your resistance is futile like once you shoot them with the phaser a couple times that's it they just adjust that reference was so over my head well i mean also it's just you know what do you like 20 something yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, we're not going to focus on that. Um, you guys, you, there was a deal discussed at one point, and I remember live, and I remember also, even though I had forgotten what happened when I rewatched the TV show, that I was like, there's no fucking way these guys are going to make a deal. Uh, you guys did not make a deal. Any regrets? Uh, no. I mean, after that tournament, I then won another tournament instantly. And with the kind of mindset that we could have of just like, oh, if I did make a deal, then everything afterwards would have happened differently. Okay, all right. Then it's hard to be regretful in that kind of situation. And given the situation, I think it was also a good decision, like, EV-wise, not to. I love the fact that everyone immediately kind of uh, went to their seconds. And you had uh, Chance Cornuth is chatting with Mike McDonald. Uh, Mustafa Kanit drags over Jason Mercier. And you bring over Ben who had been on the beers for at least four hours at that point. <laughs> That's the thing. They brought in the big names, the heavy guns and stuff. I brought over Ben. He's like, even 20 beers in, I trust him to be better at maths than the whole room put together. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was pretty confident with Ben in my corner to making those decisions. Now, one of the things that this final table had, which you know from our point of view is just gold dust because it makes great tv is it had the awesome poker hands it had the hand where you fold the kings on the river it had mustafa Kanit's bluff with the queen nine but it also had the car crash hand that you just know is going to get shared again and again and again on facebook and that is kings against fives against oh, okay. ace nine and the fact that we think oh there isn't going to be any heads up can it's going to take out you know two players in one hand and it looks so comfortable for him on the flop you take the lead on the turn and then Cornuth rivers the straight and you just think how on earth did that just happen <laughs> it was so much fun I've, I've had to repeat the hands to loads of people in detail they're like oh i kind of saw a hand of with you on, TV, <laughs> on youtube uh, what, what was it you had you had fives again what was the hand again like oh brilliant <laughs> <laughs> it's another one of those situations it's like uh, and, and let me reminisce about this one please <laughs> I mean to, the, the, the funny thing is that you, you literally thought you were out I mean you were stepping away from the table when you suddenly realised oh no of course I win the side pot because I've got chance covered yeah that, yeah, my, I don't know what my head was doing at that point I, I knew that I had him covered but uh, all I was doing was just like oh that that is a bad card and you know generally is a short stack if you hit a bad card you're out but yeah no, that, that was just silly uh, Charlie, when when we interviewed Chance uh, that day and on the TV show, he says he he called what he did there the biggest mistake of his poker career. Um, <laughs> do you agree with that? <laughs> I mean, other than the run out of it, do you agree with it? And when he turned over that hand, it, what was your reaction? Uh, I was really happy about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a situation where if Carnet wins, then I get second place money yeah um but no it, it was 
I, I know his reasons for it. We've spoken a bit about it. And Chance is the kind of guy who he maybe isn't so technically, I don't know, like, he, he doesn't have that much depth to his technical game as much as some other people might. But his other aspects of his game, like just the feel of how strong someone is and just knowing what kind of range of hands people are going to have, it's just... I've I've never seen somebody that good at it. Well, his name is Goddamn Chance for Christ's sake, so it would make sense <laughs> that he's a little bit more of a field player. Yeah, I I, I wish I I'm, I'm tired at the moment. I wish I'd worded that better. I he does have a good technical game in comparison to like ninety nine percent of the poker world. It's just that I I think that in that situation his kind of feel game took over. It makes sense. And look, nobody listens to this podcast anyway. They're not gonna. It's not gonna go viral that you sort of. <laughs> Backhanded complimented <laughs> Chance Corner <laughs> a second ago before fixing it. I want to ask you a couple of questions about your uh, your personal life, buddy. Dude, your Facebook photos. Do you live in a phone party? What is happening? <laughs> those, you're like you're like always in a bathing suit. It's like you and a girl in a bikini, and you're like barbecuing, but also you're it, there's foam everywhere. <laughs> I think you've just taken three photos from my Facebook and just asso- associated that with my life. Look, I, I looked at them <laughs> back to back to back, so I just assumed that's what your entire life is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we just took a few photos of a day. I love the way you've extrapolated the data, Joe, a very small sample, and you've drawn massive conclusions. <laughs> How do you think they come up with all these push-fold charts? It's just like a couple of examples, and then they just go with it. I do want to ask you about, like, and so I think you answered this enough on the on the broadcast, but, like, what's up with the clothes, homie? Because, and I don't mean, I, this is going to sound way more insulting than I mean it to, but, like, you, you seem really normal. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you saying that. You're like... Strange. He's just not that weird a guy. <laughs> yeah, you really don't seem that weird. I mean, except for the fact that he's at a phone party. And so, I think that's just such an like, accurate representation of what people think of diverse clothing. And I, 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 I'm full. I'm way behind taking the piss out of people if they dress silly because you know, if you dress scarishly, you kind of know that you're going to get the attention. But I appreciate I, that. Yeah, but I, I do also think that it's kind of. I don't want to say like I, a prude's mentality that dressing. Yeah, you can say it's narrow-minded or whatever. It's cool. Like I can take it. Like it's it's a valid criticism if that's sort of where you're going. Yeah, kind of, kind of not narrow-minded. Just a kind of like old-fashioned of just like normal people dress, quote unquote, normal, and then weird people dress, quote unquote, weird. Where, I mean, like who decides what normal and weird is? So, like, when I say something that you look like a 1970s Miami's dentist's office waiting room, that doesn't – that would be, like, an old-school mentality if I say you look like a fever dream or a human kaleidoscope? No, I mean, like, <laughs> the latter, I mean, it's, like, relatively accurate, I guess. But to, to, like, if you can equate it to what it looks like, um, yeah, and I mean, that's obviously probably true, but if you equate it to what you would associate someone's personality to be behind it, that's where it starts becoming a bit old-fashioned, I think. Okay, that's so you don't mind if I say you look like you're puked on by Burning Man or you're on your way to a sunset meditation drum circle hemp party? I would love to believe that you're coming with these off the top of your head. <laughs> these are amazing. <laughs> I got a whole page of notes here, buddy. I'm going to skip most of them. I just want to find it. <laughs> Do you want to play a game with us, Charlie Carroll? I always play a game with a guest on the show. Are you down to play a game? Always. Okay, we're going to play a game. It's called Bastion of Fashion. 
And uh, all the answers of these trivia questions have to do with fashion or clothing. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> As ever, the guest approaches one of Joe Stapleton's games with a mix of non-enthusiasm and non-confidence. <laughs> I hope this doesn't turn out to be fucking ear poison. Here we go. Question number one. A person who is either a designer of haute couture or a devoted follower of fashion, a.k.a. the opposite of Charlie Carroll, is sometimes known as this. James, I'm going to let you help him out if you think you know the answers to any of these. Is it fashionista? Fashionista is correct. You get half a point for, for your for help from your friend James Hardigan. Thanks, man. <laughs> You're welcome. We <laughs> Question number two. There's just seven of these, then you get to go to bed. Question number two. A seven-day period in which fashion designers display their latest collections and Charlie Carroll will never be invited to. London Fashion Week. I Who was that whispering in the background? <laughs> Is that the other girl from the phone party helping I out? I call shenanigans. No more <laughs> That's for sure. If you got a grill on the line answering your questions for you. Question number three. A word that can either reference a newspaper column or a piece of clothing. For example, Choney, Charlie owns many different blanks of clothing that look like an LSD and an avian bird flu induced nightmare. <laughs> I've got a, two shrugs and I have no idea. No. A word that can either refer to a newspaper column or a piece of clothing. Can I just like back up how little I know about this? Like I, all the pieces of clothing I wear, I have no idea what any of the designers are. I wouldn't be able to name a single one of them. Charlie, the answer is article. Oh yeah, that's not even knowing things. That's just thinking. Charlie. Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's actually would require that you actually listen to the question. I definitely <laughs> listened. My brain just like no, no, no. We know nothing about this. It's okay. Just a few more to go. Then you're then you're released forever. Question number four. One of these might be used to pinch your nose in order to stop a foul odor. For example, somebody get me a blank for my nose. Charlie's clothes stink. They literally smell fine, but they're so outrageous it hurts my nose. Peg. A what? Peg. A what peg? The clothes peg. Correct, clothes peg. Is he on the first? <laughs> is that the first one he got right? Okay. Plus, I think he's got three questions now. Question number five. Tardiness based on it being something seemingly uncool to show up early to a party, especially if you do it wearing an outfit that looks like discarded Alice in Wonderland concept art. What was the first bit of the question? Tardiness based on it being seemingly uncool to show up early to a party. Fashionably late? Correct. Fashionably yes. late. I make it three and a half, by the way. By the way, for every question you get right, I donate money to charity, Charlie, just so you know. Here we go. Question number six. No pressure. <laughs> it's going to be a very, not very well-clothed charity. Okay. Professional wrestling maneuver that can be performed either standing or running or a piece of string in which Charlie might hang his clothing if it weren't for the fact that he probably caught seizures. Hey, got it. I'm actually getting so into this. Okay, he got it right, but I get, you stepped on my punchline, which is that... Oh, uh, oh, sorry, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. More, more jokes about clothing, you got it. Charlie might hang his clothing on this if it weren't for the fact that it would probably cause seizures and epileptic pigeons. God damn it, I can't even get my own jokes out. Okay, here we go. Blew it. Last question. Yeah, I blew it. Last question, here we go. Television show originally hosted by Joan Rivers, who most likely has a warrant out for Charlie Carroll's arrest. This sounds a bit American-centric to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no.
No, I'm you not. Guys don't, you guys don't have a branch of your government called the Fashion Police? No. You can't. Really? No. We had the clothes show. Uh, we had that thing with Gok Wan. No, but, like, the Fashion Police is, like, a thing. It's not, like, a... It doesn't have to be, like, legitimate police. It's just, like, something that you... Like, you, like James, when you, like, are always, like, Oh, you should... Wear a matching. You can't wear red pants with your brown suit. And I'm like, whatever, fashion police. You don't say that to each other. No, fashion police is an expression, but I wouldn't associate it with Joan Rivers. Who's Joan Rivers? She's an old woman from American TV. Oh, oh my okay. God, Joan Rivers, get off, get off my airwaves, get out of here, you <laughs> child. Uh, get lost. <laughs> your final score, by the way, Charlie, and bear in mind I am being generous here, is four and a half. Take yeah, it. that's good. I'm going to give four and a half to charity. <laughs> <laughs> Undefined quantities. Just just four and a half. Hey, man, thanks a lot. This has been fun. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, no thanks for having me on. It was, it was really fun. Thanks, Charlie. I would like to mention, by the way, out of all the people that I've met in the poker world, you two are the people that I've become most starstruck around when I was like first introduced to you. Just oh as, like a little fanboy thing. Like I've I've seen like Negron and all the other big names like, <laughs> flying around there. I couldn't give a shit. But like when I first saw you, my stomach actually dropped. Just, that's, just saying, like <laughs> that's so sweet that my boner just knocked my computer off the desk. Oh, <laughs> and on that bombshell, yeah. uh, Charlie, we'll see you on the circuit again soon. Okay, cool. See ya. I didn't really know how to react to that that someone would be starstruck around a complete non-entity like myself. I think that I that maybe he didn't even realize that when I said I had a boner, that that was a good thing. Like, I think he thought I already had the boner <laughs> and that I only and that I reacted badly to his compliment. But what I meant, Charlie, was that no, I, no, I gave me an erection yes, to I, hear a compliment like that. I don't think you need to explain it. I, <laughs> I actually think he got it. I think he was just being a bit English about it, which is like, no, please. <laughs> Y'all need to stop be so, being so English about things. Um, when it comes to your bodily parts, I'm very happy being English. Uh, okay. uh, so, But yeah, just to recap, that TV show, bear in mind now, there is no new shows coming out on Pokestars.tv or on any TV network until October. So we are now kind of in a bit of a content chasm um but i'm sure there'll be stuff to talk about we've got good plans for next week for example and on that note joe i think it might be an idea if we save your um yeah. stand-up story to next week because i don't think we've necessarily got room for it today and in the weeks coming up we might be struggling so why don't we push that I realize that this is going to sound like James doesn't want to hear my stand-up, but we actually agreed to this ahead of time that we were going to push it. So all you people out there, it sound like James is trying to blow off my stand-up. He's not. We'd, we're blowing it off together. I'm not blowing off Joe single-handed. That sounded <laughs> wrong. That sounded so wrong. Let's both hands, please. go into the lobby. And Joe, I decided to not just go into the lobby on PokerStars. I decided to look at the map, the live events map to see what's going on in the world and what people could potentially qualify to. Um, of course, we've still got a bit of time to go until the first season of... First season? The first event of season 13 of the European Poker Tour, that being the Barcelona Festival that starts on the 16th of August. So that's obviously on the map. And satellites are running to the EPT main event and the Australia's main event. There are some events before that. Uh, there is the BPC Spa in brussels i assume which uh -huh, is yep. taking place 
uh, between the 1st and the 5th of June, the Belgian Poker Challenge. It returns to the Casino Spa. It's taking place in early June. It costs 800 euros, but yes, of course, satellites are running. There is the Marbella Festival in Spain from the 14th to the 19th of June. And one last event we should mention that you can also qualify for is FPS Lille. This is the next leg of the France Poker Series taking place in Lille from the 19th to the 24th of July, a 1,100 euro event, satellites running now. And the reason why we're highlighting these events, most of the poker world is gonna be in Las Vegas for the end of May, all of June and half of July. But while they're playing the kind of big events out there, the local tours in Europe are still providing low buy-in events, 800 euros, 1,000 euros, for people who aren't traveling to America. So good to know that those events are still running and that you can either go there directly and buy-in or satellite on PokerStars while the WSOP is taking place. But you're going to be in Vegas, right? I will be in Vegas. I am very unlikely to be playing any poker. Um, a couple of things I want to say about those events you just mentioned, by yeah. the way, James. Uh, the BPC, I can't promise this, but my guess is that if y'all want to play that one, Gail Garcia-Diaz is probably going to be there because she tends to play all those events at the spa. So if you want to go play poker with like a super hot grill, I would say uh, that's one you might want to go to. Also, last year, I know for a fact she was at Marbella because she asked me to go with her. And I was like, call me tomorrow. Let's talk about it. And then she never did. And then and Mar- <laughs> I just realized you guys don't need to hear all that. Don't worry about all that. Just go play Marbella. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be in Las Vegas, I think. I think it's not like official, official, but I'm uh, whatever. I'll just say I think I'm doing some commentary for the GPL uh, during the World Series of Poker. Um, yeah, that hasn't been officially announced yet, but whatever. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do the first week at least. We'll see what happens after that. We'll see if he wants to fire me. Okay, you know, well, shit happens. I mentioned that uh, Barcelona will kick off season 13 of the European Poker Tour, and it's time now for us to try and put a superfan on his first step of the way towards playing a European Poker Tour main event. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Well, this week, Superfan versus Stapes takes us across the ocean to Hamilton, Ontario, where we say hello to Michael Zajac. I assume I'm saying that correctly, Michael. You are saying that correct. It's uh, very good to be with you guys. Uh, hey, we- Michael, Michael, Michael Zajac, where's Vanna White, huh? Hey, Pat. <laughs> where's- Never heard any of those before. I knew that that had to be a big thing for you. I, like, how, like how many millions of times has someone done that one? Uh, you know what? Uh, much more when I was younger. Um, not so much lately, um, thankfully. Well, the story checks out. I have the maturity level level of an eleven year old. So, <laughs> Michael, we appreciate you getting up in the middle of the night to take part in this on air contest. Uh, what would you normally be doing at this time? I assume sleeping. What are you he planning? Sounds awake. Uh, you do sound awake. Did you? Have you been up prepping? Uh, I wouldn't say I've been up prepping, but I did want to make sure I didn't miss this call. So. Uh, I made sure I was up. Uh, probably Give him a ding for that. Give him a ding. He is living Thank up you. to super 
fan, too many super fans are like, oh, yeah, sorry, guys, overslept. This dude has probably been up for four days. To be fair, I think Michael is well aware of the contempt we treat people who fail to answer our Skype calls. Uh, Michael, you very quickly qualify for the status of super fan because we basically hear from you almost every week. You're clearly a fan of the podcast. But I like the fact that you send a respectful number of messages. You don't, <laughs> there's not, we don't get a deluge of nonsense. Just enough to let us know that you're keen and you're interested, but not yeah. so much that we're like, God, this guy's annoying. No, absolutely. One, you know, one or two tweets. You know, my week no, 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 really isn't complete unless I get a like from one of you guys. So <laughs> he, he came. Com- he came close though, didn't he? Call one of my games ear poison, fucking ear poison, that's, and it was right. Yes, wait, wait, that's true. But that's not exact. That wasn't entirely your fault. <laughs> I'll settle for that. I'll settle for not entirely my fault. I'm fine with yes. that. Okay, I'll forgive it. Anytime that Joe can take a percentage of the blame that's not 100, <laughs> he considers it a win. I've been taking over 100% of the, of the blame. Michael Zajac, who is your daddy and what do you do? <laughs> I, uh, I work for a local building supply company. I, I work in an office. I, I basically buy stuff and set prices. It's boring. Boring. It it's sounds, not bad. It's, it sounds like the office. Uh, yeah, not quite. Although that is one of my all-time favorite shows, the UK version, of course. But is that, um, you know, it's it's not bad. Is that what we're doing our quiz on today, James? No, we are not. It's sports, Joe. Sports. Oh, fuck. Hey, Michael, oh, he it's your it. Step C ticket. <laughs> <laughs> now, Joe, I think you stand a fighting chance, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Michael's specialist subject is my favorite sports team, the San Francisco 49ers of the National Football League. Now, Joe, by osmosis, I hope you have assumed some of the knowledge that I have spouted over the last five years. Having sat and even watched a couple of 49ers games with me, I'm hoping that you might be able to answer one or two questions. Okay, and that's, that's a reasonable expectation, James, but let me ask you this. How much of your bullshit have I had to learn through osmosis other than the San Francisco 49ers over the last four years? It's a fair point. Um, (laughs) I know for a fact, because you tweeted about it, that you watched at least one of the games in this quiz independently of me. Oh, fuck. I I, I can't even... Okay, fine. I don't want to give away anymore. Let's do it. Let's go for it. So, Michael, what I've done, understandably, Joe is at a disadvantage here. So there are two tiers of question. Uh, There's a kind of easy question for Joe and then a slightly harder question for you, both along a similar theme. Um, As you know, should you beat Joe, which is practically a certainty you're going to get the step c ticket worth 27 I mean, I euros this shit i'm good at like unless the question is like how many points are in a touchdown i'm going to be in a big trouble you're in big trouble uh, and of <laughs> course there is the everyone loves a chop pot t-shirt as well to play for as we get the game underway super fan versus states and joe i'm going to let you go first with the easy question about home stadiums and ask, what was the 49ers' home field from 1971 to 2013? Their home field wasn't San Francisco. I can tell you <laughs> that much. Good job. And it was... Um, uh, what were the years again? Sorry. 1971 to 2013. So they recently vacated this stadium. Candlestick Park. Correct. For a point. Well done. Hey, by the way, Michael Zajac, do you know that the reason why I'm eligible for the 
the easier questions is not because I don't know sports, but it's because I never had sex in high school. It automatically oh, puts okay. you the lower tier sports questions. That story doesn't seem like it would check out, actually. <laughs> All your it Tinder does. stories, I mean. I'm a late bloomer. Okay. So, Michael, your question on a similar theme. What was the 49ers home field from 1946 to 1970? Ooh. I, believe, I believe it was Keysar Stadium. Correct, for a point. And we have nice. a time hey, Michael, game. Michael, are, yep. uh, did you just pick this because you knew James was a fan? It would be easier for you to get through, or you do also like the 49ers? I I totally grew up. I, I, I was a kid in the 80s, and, of course, the 49ers were dominant throughout the 80s, so I, I grew up a huge 49ers fan. Love football, love the NFL. And when I, uh, yeah, when I found out that James was a 49ers fan, too, I thought, okay, well, this seems to make sense. It's a perfect world. I'm actually going to agree with that, but I'll just say it in a much shorter sense. I'd fuck Joe Montana, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, your second question. In 49ers franchise so history, likeable. three head coaches have taken the team to the Super Bowl. Name two of them. Jim Harbaugh. Correct. Uh, now we're in big trouble. <laughs> that was all the coaches I knew. I'm going to give you half a point for that. Uh, we're gonna go with who was the co who is the coach during the fucking Montana era or the Steve Young era? He went to the Super Bowl so many times. Fuck, who was the coach then? I'm gonna go with Oldie McWhite guy. <laughs> well, the description is actually pretty good, but yep. that's not his name. Uh, Michael, you can steal for half a point. All right, so uh, Bill Walsh and George Seifert were the other two. That's correct. Wow. I only needed one though, but so it's it's uh, it's one and a half tied against one and a half but michael you can take the lead here if you can answer this question from i like the okay. showboat right there but it wasn't really a showboat he liked humbly showboated that was well played from the okay. start of the 2003 season to the end of the 2010 season the 49ers had four different head coaches name three of them uh i'd like to forget them all uh <laughs> i'm <laughs> uh dennis erickson uh yes. mike nolan yes uh, Mike Singletary. Correct. That will give you the point. That's three. Can you name the fourth? Interestingly, oh, the other, the the other Mike from Mike Double Terry. <laughs> um, the other one was uh, no, it's escaping me. For the final week of the 2010 regular season, Jim Tom Sula was oh, appointed head right. coach. And then Wait, obviously made Jim and Tom Sula. Yeah, both yes. Jim and Tom. And uh, someone gave them a second chance last year. Didn't work That's out. Right. <laughs> no, uh, not really. Joe, your next question: Who was the 49ers' first string running back for the 1978 and 1979 seasons? <laughs> first string running back, 78 and 79. I mean, I can really only name one player from that era. We're gonna go with O.J. Simpson. Correct oh, for a point. Wow. Well, done. I mean, Michael, Michael, you're crushing this. You're obviously a super fan of both um, EPT Not Live and the 49ers. So I appreciate the fact that you're not having complained yet about these layups I've been given. <laughs> no, you know what? That's actually not a lot of people would have known that one. That's I'm pretty impressed by that. I could have made the question, name a running back from the late 1970s, and we would have got the same result. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. It kind of it was kind of the primrose path a little bit. Michael, who was the 49ers' first string running back for the 1988 and 1989 seasons? Roger Craig. Correct, meaning you still lead three and a half to two and a half. 
as Joe. I ask you, who succeeded Joe Montana as the 49ers starting quarterback after Montana was traded to the Kansas City Chiefs? Steve Young. Correct, for a point. Michael, who succeeded Steve Young as the 49ers starting quarterback after he took early retirement due to a series of head injuries? Um, By the way, those head injuries were actually not what you think. It was caused by really violent blowjobs. That's what head injuries... <laughs> uh, I can't believe he laughed at that. <laughs> Come uh, on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an easy mark. Uh, I think it was... I want to say uh, Steve Bono or Jeff Garcia. I'm going to go with Steve Bono. You should have gone with the other one. It was Jeff Garcia. Meaning we have a tied game. Three and a half. Three and a half as we go into the final round. Joe. Yes. Who made two bad fumbles in the 2011 NFC Championship against the New York Giants, arguably costing the 49ers a spot in the Super Bowl? This is the one. This is what you were referencing earlier, saying that you know I have seen this game. And you're right. I have seen the game, but I can't. I don't think I could name the guy. <laughs> Fuck. That's a good question, man, though. Well played. Take a guess, Joe. Uh, a guy in the 49ers who fumbles. <clears throat> um, oh, uh, Christmas, Wax and Flax and Jackson. Obviously incorrect. Michael, do you know? Um, oh, jeez. And one just grazed off his knee in overtime. He was a kick returner. Um, it's a player we'd like to forget existed, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I want to say Chris. Some, uh, you know what? I, no, the, the last name is escaping me. We're going to have to call it time on that Sorry. one. The answer was Kyle Williams. And Kyle Joe, Williams. your tweet during the game was Kyle Williams, more like <laughs> Kyle Spilliams. <laughs> I, okay. So as soon as you said Kyle Williams, I just went in my head. I bet I called him Kyle Spilliams. <laughs> yes, you did. Again, I, so I, Michael, I don't know if you know this about me. I don't remember jokes, but all I do is take the same path every single time. So I always make the same joke, seeming like I remember them. But really, I'm just a hack. Whatever works, we all have our process. It's all good. <laughs> so the final question, and here's the thing, Michael, it's still tied, three and a half oh. each. If you get this question correct, you have won Superfan versus Stapes. Okay. Who failed to catch the ball in the end zone in the dying seconds of the 2013 NFC Championship against the Seahawks, costing the 49ers a spot in the Super Bowl? That was Michael Crabtree. It was indeed, meaning the oh. final score is four and a half against three and a half. That was a close four contest. It was close. Guys, guys, guys. Boy, like Michael can't grab tree. <laughs> Did anyone yeah. do that one yet? Oh, I like that one. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, so congratulations, Michael. You do get the 27 euro step seat ticket and the Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt. Uh, thank you very much for taking part in the game. Thank you, guys. Love the show. Thanks a lot, ear poison. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody, that is all the time we've got for this week's show. And man, even though we are sort of in like a twilight zone of content, I think we might have a really spectacular show for you guys next week. 
Next week, it is the Real Kid Poker EPT Not Live Special. We'll be talking Romania, veganism, hair plugs, more specifically <laughs> about how Kid Poker the movie will eventually be able to be seen by you. And not just like eventually, like we've been saying it eventually, like very, very soon in someplace really cool. Yes, a big announcement next week and a big guest, Daniel Negreanu, joining us on EPT Not Live, uh, a Kid Poker-themed edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. Join us for the Daniel Negreanu special, which will probably be available on Thursday, the 2nd of June. All right, my babies, that's all the time we got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. I smell you later.